Welcome to the Leanne Hart Podcast. Leanne is a mighty servant to God who wears many hats. She is a wife to J.W. Hart, the Iron Man of professional bull riding, a loving mother, and a bucking bull stock contractor alongside of her husband at Hart Cattle Company. But that's not all. She's an inspirational speaker, pastor, singer, songwriter, worship leader, and a beautiful sister in Christ. After the podcast is over, make sure you give it a like and a share, and please subscribe and review this podcast. Without further ado, I introduce you to your host, a true Holy Spirit hustler, a lovely and passionate woman, Miss Leanne Hart. Hey everybody, this is Leanne Hart with Leanne Hart Ministries, and it's been a while. I've actually been kind of out of pocket, just so much going on. We've had PBR finals, we've had the NFR, we've had just stuff, and then here it is, the week before Christmas, my dad and Nana, they're in town for for our Christmas weekend, and I thought, why not kind of end the year uh, with a positive podcast with one of the most positive role models in my life, my kind of earthbound hero, uh, my dad. And so here is my dad. His name is Mike Stilley. And Daddy, we're going to talk about past, present, and future. But tell him a little bit about your past. Where you come. Not too many stories about me, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but just tell him a little bit about yourself, Dad. Well, you know, it's it's um, everybody relates here their life and how they were brought up by what they were exposed to. And fortunately for me, I was exposed to what I'd consider to be an Ozzie Harriet family. Um, You know, we were blessed that uh, we were a unit and always stayed that way. And, of course, that's changed a lot over the years and all of our lives, and it impacts you what those changes can be. But, you know, I grew up in a house with a mom and a dad. And unfortunately, so many young people today don't get that opportunity, and I've had to experience that in my own life. But the best part about it was is that the foundation of our family was based on our relationship with God. Mm. And so when we dealt with issues and problems or when we had failures or successes, I was always led to believe that it had something to do with God. Mm. And, uh, you know, that was probably the thing that carried me through some of my times as you get older, you know, those lessons you didn't understand when you were younger became um, a value to you because all of a sudden the perspective came into play and you recognized that uh, what you didn't agree to at one time, now you understand better. <laughs> but the best part about it was is that um, I guess, you know, in my family, the thing that we lived with every day was that was trust, mm. uh, family, and confidence in what we did. Um, my dad was a kind of a guy that, if you ask him what time it was, he wanted to build you a watch. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you had to go through his explanations, and I think some of that rubbed off on me a little bit, because I know that when Leanne and Joe and Leanne were smaller, something would happen. Instead of me just giving them a quick answer, I generally had a lot to say. <laughs> yeah, you know, it could go into the night <laughs> or the morning. <laughs> You know, and uh, then I'd get tired of speaking about it and trying to remember if they comprehended any of it because it was kind of a long-winded. Way well, I was a it. terrible liar as I got older. Like I was terrible, and I just, 
I could look at you, and I just knew that you knew. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> the trouble with you, Leanne, is you had a very, very clear symbol that always could tell me when you were lying. Your cheeks turned red as a beat. <laughs> if I could look at Leanne and ask you a question, did you do such and such? All I had to do was stand there for about 30 seconds. It took about that long for those cheeks to get red, and I go, Leanne. And so <laughs> we're going to back up and start over again here, okay? <laughs> but Leanne had a, had a, a natural knack. Of, she just couldn't, couldn't cover up a lie very well. <laughs> But the best part about it, she'd generally come true after a while and speak her piece. But, mm. you know, that was the hard part of it is, as a parent, you know, there's no book taped on their baby's chest when they're born on what the directions are to be a parent. So you live off of what you were taught. You know, I had to, I had to rely on what my mother and dad taught me about right and wrong and making choices and making decisions. And all I knew how to do as a parent was try to do the same thing they did. A lot of the lessons they tried to teach me early on, I didn't follow. But then I found out that was the right thing to do. <laughs> and so, you know, that, that's, that's the past in that um, as you get older, you never stop learning from it. Right. Uh, that, that was probably the best part. But the, the best part of it all are, the, are probably the best lesson from my past that I can remember that no matter how bad it was, I knew there was a way to fix it. There was only one way. Mm-hmm. And I, I could give you three guesses that I think we'll know what you'd get right the first time. <laughs> um, Leanne likes to talk about my Christmas letters and how I always wrote through those letters uh, my heart. And then sometimes we had to talk about some tough things because I wasn't in agreement with some of the choices she was making, but I didn't want to mislead her into thinking that what she may be doing that I didn't think was right was necessarily right but that she still had the right to make the choices that she made. Only she would have to be the one to deal with them, not me. And so I'd always leave my lessons ended. Have you talked to God today? <laughs> I wanted him to share that part with you guys because I have so many letters as I well, was as a child and growing up and kind of growing out <laughs> of, of, uh, of the house and into my own house. But I, every letter I have, I, it didn't matter how it started or what was in the plot of it, but how it ended was always, you know, this is just your dad talking here, but have you talked to God, have you talked to God today? And, um, I remember my life being filled with, uh, a lot of my childhood being filled with lots of encouragement because you were always looking to encouragers. Dale Carnegie was huge. I remember, you know, he was one of those that you like to quote a lot. And, um, and different things like that. But one of the pictures that I remember of you as a kid was in like, I guess maybe you guys live downtown Baton Rouge or somewhere and somebody came by on a, with a little pony. And yeah, you yeah. and I see a lot of people that have those pictures. And, you know, those seem to connect people when they have the same images in their house. Why, what were those even about? Well, you know, it was it was strange because... I was kind of between a split kind of a life. You know, Dad worked in town and, and worked it out the worked at the plant at that mm. time before he went into business for himself. But then my grandfather had a had a farm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, the, you, you're balanced and living in the city kind of and then getting to go to the farm. Mm -hmm. And so whenever we went to the farm, man, we got to ride the horse. Yeah. You know, we got to ride the tractor. We got to go pay the cows or 
you know, even a little later on in life, I got to drive the tractor and bush hog and do those <laughs> things, you know. You know they say brush hog up here in Oklahoma. I know, but, Doesn't you know, make any it's, sense. it's, it's a, cut gra- <laughs> we cut grass up there. But, you know, the thing about it was this guy would come by every year, and he had this little paint pony. Yep. Had the chaps, the hat, the guns, the vest. I mean, everything. Even had boots. And this little pony would stand in this perfect little position because if you took those pictures, they were always exactly the same stand. Yeah. And he'd direct you up, put you on that pony, and take that picture. Yeah. And And my mom, you know, I, of course, I had to have my boots and stuff <laughs> and, and that's during that time. And that, that was just something that was so special. I still to this day can remember just like it was yesterday. You know, when, when I talk about being split between the city and, and spending all the time I possibly could on the farm, which I enjoyed, my mom's sister worked at a shoe store. And so we would go buy our shoes because you had basically a play school, play shoes and you had your school and church shoes. Two pair. Two pair. And I wanted a pair of boots. And so finally, after pleading for quite a long time, we go to my anime store, or shoe store, and there's a pair of Roy Rogers boots there. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, just think about the yeah. name in itself. Right. And I wanted those boots. But problem with the boots, they were about a size and a half too small. <laughs> and I put those boots on, and I mean, almost to tears. And mom says, they look like they're too small. My enemy <laughs> says, they are too small. No, they feel just right. <laughs> I, I, I wanted those boots so bad I didn't care that they hurt from the minute I put them on. Mm. But I got them. Only problem is, back in those days when they bought you something, you had to wear it. You had to use it. You didn't just say, I don't like them anymore. Yeah. And I think it studied my group. I wore them so long. <laughs> I was only happy when I found out that my foot had gotten bigger and I could get a larger size. It's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and it's such a great lesson because, you know, sometimes when we do want some things in life, we kind of get stuck with them after a while. We try to make it work. and uh, But there's a even a greater lesson in that, that sometimes the things that are worth, worth having the most are the things that might not be the most comfortable things, you know. So there's two lessons there, I see. But, you know, I, and that's kind of how... Our, my raisin was, you know, I, I remember different jobs that, that you had uh, as um, as my dad, you know, I can remember, um, and I, these are my earliest rem- memories of like your, you being in the uh, offshoring or pipe fitting or being a dairy farmer or a welder or a jack of all trades for whatever anybody asked you to do, <laughs> but you finally did get to buy that farm. Yeah, well, you know, and the thing about those different jobs um, I had responsibilities. Yeah. And and some of those jobs I didn't like from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But if I had to take care of my family, you know, and that was an obligation that I made when I, you know, decided that I wanted a family. You have to you have to meet those means. And um, but I never I never lost sight of my goal, mm-hmm. and that was to be good at it as best I could be. Yeah. Um, you know, I think sometimes people forget. It's kind of similar to to being a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, when you struggle in life and you find Christ as your Savior, all of a sudden you get kind of scared of what this is all about because you're you're being told things that you you, know, you need to do this and you need to do this. And I've I've struggled all my life with people that um, you know scare people into religion. 
mm-hmm. or scare people in how to live their life. And I've always told Leah in this, and I'll say it again, there's only one thing you have to do. One thing, period, is follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, you know, people create an environment around being a Christian that can be a deterrent to people wanting to be a Christian because they fear they're not going to live up to somebody's standard. Mm-hmm. And when you when you get caught in that trap, then it becomes an excuse to not be a Christian. And I think that um, we all fail. Yeah. Uh, I tell people now at my age, they say, well, how are you doing? I say, well, I look at it like this. When I wake up in the morning, I open one eye at a time. And when they both open up, I say, okay, I've got a good start. <laughs> and when both feet, feet hit the floor, that's the first blessing I had for the day. Right. Yeah. And then here we are with why we have the perspectives that we have, and it has a lot to do <laughs> with our raising, you know. And and I remember, uh, I remember little nuggets about when we first got the dairy business, when we first got in the dairy business, and um, and the togetherness that was there for so long that uh, over time, you know, things things happen and things kind of you gather and you scatter. And, and that happened. But uh, some of my best memories are from that dairy barn, uh, the little memories. And, and it's funny how you think about those little memories. But um, the responsibility that I had at a, at a very young age to, to help my dad, you know, and that you relied on me to, to actually be that helper, it's sometimes to the point to where I might have been like, you know, 12 or something. There might be grown people coming and and they didn't know as much as me, and it was I would find myself bossing these grown people around. Well, you know the thing about you know that was a that's tough business. You know, I mean, being on any type of ranch or, or dairy farm or farm it is an extremely tough job. I mean, one thing you can say about ranchers and farmers is that they they never procrastinate because they'll never get caught up. But yeah. you know, the thing that's amazing <laughs> is that. What I learned from that, as tough as it was for us, I was so, I was so set on having something that I could build off of myself, uh, and and establish something. in the in the farm, dairy farm was one of them. We were already in the beef business, but what I really look back on that and see was how much it taught you and it taught Joe. Mm-hmm. Lindsay was too small for that, but you know. I could literally walk away from that barn when I had to go cut hay or I had to go do something or we had a problem with the cow down or whatever it was and leave that total process and that total operation up to you. That's pretty powerful when you think about how, what all you're doing and how important it is to do that job and do it right. And I'll say this, and I've said it to many people that, you know, I look at you now and I see how you, you know, you and JW manage this place and, and the, and on top of the, you know, the, the gift of children that God has blessed you with and your heart being so open to, to, to do much more than most people would do, and, and also deal with that level of responsibility, um, I think some of that had to do with uh, that dairy farm. I, I think some of that had to do with um, finding the confidence within yourself to accept the fact that uh, you could do it. You know, I um, never stop learning because I like to read, and and I'm I we're sitting in front of my bookshelf right now, <laughs> and this is just uh, not even a fourth. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, just like yesterday when I was telling you about the book that uh, Dan Crenshaw wrote, Fortitude, mm-hmm. um, 
I love to read, and every once in a while a book could just hit me right between yeah. the eyes. But one of the things in that book that he talked about was a Navy SEAL. And, and even at my age of 67 right now, I went, wow, I can use that. Yeah. Was he said, you know, when the Navy SEALs had a, had a given a task, they sat down and they went through every possible scenario that could happen. I mean, they practiced and, and worked at the details to the details were defined. Yeah. Because he said there was no such thing as a plan B. It was all, one, we only made one plan. And the example he gave, and it was in life, that anybody who is thinking of what they're going to do, and they said, well, what happens if it doesn't, we're gonna, well, then what are we going to do? He said, well, there's no plan B. <laughs> and I think that people are too susceptible sometimes of giving up or either not working out the details before the plan. And I, I think that's what's wrong today in this world. In mm. the present world we're living in, it's so much more difficult. I've told people, man, I'm glad I'm not 25 years old. Mm. Uh, and only because it's tough enough for me to survive today in some of this news media, that mm -hmm. we're, false media that we're dealing with, yeah. uh, the crisis in this world that's, that's impacting people's lives, yeah. the fact that we're not recognizing that we still are accountable, mm -hmm. um, and the fact that we need to be able to understand that just because you elected somebody to do a job, that person relies on you to help them remember what they got elected for. Mm -hmm. And when we start becoming uh, relaxed, uh, my dad used to say, had to say something a long time ago. He said, you know, as long as you can ride on rubber and sleep on silk, <laughs> or the electricity don't get cut off, mm -hmm. you know, those little incidental things that we become so, yeah. you know, so used to and expect, they were okay. Mm -hmm. But we're not. We're not okay. So in the world today, you know, i I got to go with what i got to live with, but I, I think that sometimes it, you know, I hear people talk about, well, remember the good old days. But there's certain parts of my good old days I wouldn't want to go back to. Yeah. But some of the good old days I'd like to go back to is when families were, where trust was, was part of your foundation, loyalty was, your friendship was mm -hmm. a loyalty, your handshake was your word. Yeah. And in today's world, you know, we've found out that there's so many people out there you can't trust. Mm -hmm. That finding loyalty now... Uh, it's difficult. Young people today don't look at a job as being something that they would do for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. They're programmed now to think that, well, I'm going to have X number of jobs because you owe me instead of me paying you to do something. And, and, and it, that's the old school perspective I have. People wouldn't see it that way. But at the end of the day... And your current job is... I'm the vice president of education and workforce development for a large uh, construction engineering company in Houston. Yeah. And so my, my job role, you know, my job role, if you want to call it that, is uh, basically to provide career paths for people to progress. You've been with this company for... That's almost 18 years. Yeah. And and you've been in the same sort of trade now for... About 35. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you see, I've been you in feel, the trade. You, you I've been in my, my trade, age? too, Daddy. Since I age? was, what, 12, however... We've been in the ranching business since I was, that's all oh, I've ever known. Yes. Yeah, of course, dairy farming is a little bit different than bucking bulls, but. Uh, that's all right. They're still, they're still four-legged <laughs> animals that can be ornery to deal with whether they're in a milk barn or out in the middle of a bull ring. Bull. You know, I can remember as a kid learning how to make coffee at a real young age. I was, I was over the coffee. I thought that was a cool job. Every morning, 2.30 in the morning, we were waking up to go milk cows. And that was my, my first job. 
Or how about, the time, how about the time we'd roll in from some horse show that you, you know, that you ran barrels or poles or goat tied or all the things that Those you Those high did. school rodeos, and yeah. And then we'd get in in the wee hours of the morning and then they'd come in and say, Leanne, Leanne, you got to get up. got to go milk. Oh, you know, gosh. and you don't know how hard that was for me to have to ask you to do that. But I had become so, you had become so self-efficient. Yeah. And, and, and we needed the help because just like today, I'm sitting here today, we're sitting around the table and as we do and telling all the little stories and the kids talking about their stuff and they're out there, you know, and there's Mac and Wacy because they're the oldest. Yeah. And the little ones need their horse saddle. Well, who yeah. gets to do all the work? Same way with Leanne, I need you to go to the barn this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pattern. It's a pattern. <laughs> Sucks to be the oldest. I yeah, like I know, right? <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, our, those cold mornings where, uh, you know, we're waking up to do what we're doing. And even in Louisiana, that cold is cold a whenever cold it's cold. cold. You know, it's cold. And, and growing up where we did. and um, It's like that morning. Remember that it was really cold and, and you, you were doing something and Joe was out there and he was, I don't know, he had just got the cows up or something. And he came in there, and I mean, that little fellow was cold. Yeah, he was so cold. And he had his little rubber boots on. Yeah. I took that black bucket, and I filled right. it up with hot water, yeah. and he stuck his feet down in that boot, and he was sitting on that stool, yeah. and he just leaned up against his head like, and he went sound asleep. Yep. His, his feet's warm. He's good. He's <laughs> good. <laughs> good. Or like you had gotten about to be the only person that could milk, what was that crazy cow? Lightning. Light, lightning. Everybody She'd else kick get, everybody, everybody else. Everybody kick the milkers off. Light and Leanne could go over and put the milkers on. I hate that cow. <laughs> Do you remember was, whenever we used to use the creamer for the coffee from the from the milk? Yeah, from the, skim it just off. Just skim it off the. <laughs> you know, I think about the little things right now, and we still don't have automatic feeders here, Dad. You know, we still yeah. got to pick buckets up. Yeah, it's I'd, like, I'd have done that a long time ago because I knew what that's all about. Well, remember every single time we tried to upgrade, something was going to break oh, down. Yeah, we have like a week of having to be able to pull those buckets. And then before you know it, the generator's going out. But, you know, so many great stories uh, of of those times. And we were doing life together. And you can't, it, I never as a kid knew outside of anything if there was anything bad because we had routine and this is kind of what we did and of course when things were bad we knew that they were bad and at the same time um it was still overwhelmingly still good the majority of the time because we had jobs and we had to keep doing those jobs that's one thing about farming or ranching or or anything like what we've done or that it's you have to be disciplined in that and you have to discipline well, yourself yeah, because you know the, the sad thing about it is there's an ugly side to it um, you know, our livelihood depended on the success of our our cows being bred. And Speaking cattle. of, do you remember that one cow or the the night when Hurricane Andrew came, and we went stay with with friends, because, but you had to stay and milk yeah. those cows, and they milked the most dry cow <laughs> milk. Like. And I mean, they milked in a hurry too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted out of that barn. We need the hurricane <laughs> to come back. <laughs> But you know, I, I, but the, you, I'm saying, you know, you have to accept Scared the, the milk bad, out of them. You know, the, 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 you know the, when you think about that, it, it's tough. There's a bad side to it. It's, mm-hmm. it's a loss of a calf, and that used to be compelling. And it was a, it was having to get a cow stuck out of the mud. You know, I mean, those are the part of the part, the things that was most difficult. You know, and I think and going back to something you said a moment ago, you know, when you learn about that confidence. Um, my trick to getting to drive the tractor was if when you got strong enough to push the clutch in. When you were that strong, you could drive the tractor, remember? And, of course, when it came to doing something strong, 
Leanne was going to be first. And so that's just the way it was. <laughs> and then, you know, what was really, and I tell people this all the time, you know, in between the milkings, you know, okay, hay season, we got to cut hay, got to rake hay, got to get hay in a barn. I could put Leanne on a tractor with a rake, raking hay. <laughs> and I had guys that would come in and help sometimes. Leanne could rake hay better than anybody out there. <laughs> and they go, let me come over and rake your hay. No, I got somebody. Who, who, who's going to do it? Because they want to know who was. Like 12. Leanne. <laughs> Leanne. Yeah, Leanne. And then haul, drive that big truck and haul that hay. I'm behind her with a tractor, and she couldn't even see over the steering wheel with that old manual shift. <laughs> yeah. Don't and drive. Start the and don't get out of second gear, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had to start the truck with a screwdriver. That <laughs> was just favorite. temporary, but anyway. <laughs> Yeah, don't get out of second gear. Cause I, I didn't need you going any faster than that. <laughs> away we go. You know, away we go. But, you know, when you think about that now, and we talked about the present and how we live in this presence and what's going on now and, and how difficult it is for everyone. You know, what's more um, worrisome for me, I think, right now, it's not about my future. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm... I'm retiring in in another year, maybe, and and I'm kind of got things coursed. I worry about your future, and I worry about the, my children's future. I worry about my grandkids' future. You know, what is it going to take? You know, where would they find their strengths? And you know, in your house here, you know, I, I see these kids are riding horses out in the yard right now, and they're out there. Or go feed the bulls and go hate the bulls or go war the dogs and feed the dog. All of those little jobs that are going to set the foundation for their, uh, you know, their ability to accept the job they have and have the work ethic to understand that. What, what I fear more is not so much them, but the world as a whole. Mm. You, know, you know, electronics are a wonderful thing. Of course, I still don't like having to do stuff on a computer because I'm old enough that I don't like having to learn something like that. Right. But it's challenging. But for children that that are never out there even to take the garbage outside or mow the grass in their yard and not finding out that there's gratitude in work. Right. There's rewards in work. Yeah. And what it's going to do for their future. And I worry about that. I really, truly worry that parents, you know, everybody says, well, you know, I want my kids to have it better than I had it. You know, I'm not interested in you finding out what I had, good or bad. I want you to find out for yourself what's good or bad. That's right. Yeah. And I worry about those kids today. I, I, I um. It's time for know. it's it's no time like the present time, because when I hear people say, you know, gosh, I I wouldn't want to have a child right now. Now for me, looking in biblically. Now is the time to have your children. You know why? Because now is the time to raise the priests and the prophets, which is very biblical. Yeah. Because the prophetic word, we have our hope in Christ. So we, we have to raise our children the way that we are, which is, is the way that I was raised. It's not because I walked the, the best path forever. No. I mean, I was off in the grass a lot of times. I was not between the mustard and the mayonnaise. Like I, and finally, when I got back to it, it was because I truly believe in the, the power of prayer. I know that. First of all, because that foundation, not just that you have, but the foundation that was before you and laid before them and the generations and the legacies from the time that I sat on the front porch with Mama Leela and her telling me, my great grandma that would say, long before there was ever a Trump in office and they talked about the swamp, she used to say all the time, you don't go 
into the swamp, Leanne, ever to swim with the gators. You go in there to drain it. I'll never forget her saying that. And then you take that little picture right there from a front porch sitting with Momma, Leela, talking about her own childhood and growing me in a little bit of courage as we go to the garden and pick blueberries. But then to a moment where I actually see my dad actually jumping into swampy water at an alligator farm and you going in there and, and actually getting gators out and you're not in there to swim with them. You're in there to do a job and get these gators out. Yeah. And so as I've gotten older, those are little nuggets that I've remembered along the way to say, I want to be like my dad. And I think it rolls into our identity when we trade our identity in, in Christ, because now we're clothed with that righteousness. We're clothed with a new strength. But if we don't have someone to, teach us that a lot of churches and I've been in them we've all been in them they'll, they'll just sit there and back when I was raised in a very um, evangelistic era because you had the fire and brimstone I mean we we're South Louisiana everyone on the corner was doing mm -hmm. it you know and honestly it was a movement because now we don't really have movers we have sitters and in, and I can and this is where I kind of get excited about it because it does rail me up a little bit because I was raised I'm just there I'm 40 but I was raised on the on the heels of that generation where I, I saw people move and mm -hmm. do. And now we have people say, stay in your seat. If that's you, lift your hand. And we lift our hand. We make eye contact with a pastor. And I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm not saying it can't be done in the heart this way. But I'm just saying that we're not encouraged as much to be movers and doers as we are today. Because we say, repeat this prayer after me. You never make contact with anyone. There's never accountability after that because you've done it in your seat. But I'm not really sure if I want to make that next point of contact. And there's just a lot of things today that I see in my life that as I grew up in an era of a, not that, that I'm thankful for my Baptist foundation. That's my foundation. You know, I've moved... Um, into a non-denominational whatever. Call me a Baptocostal now. I don't care. But I know who I am in Christ. That's what I do know. I'm a Christian. Well, Amen. like I said, the only thing you have to do is follow. Yeah, so that, so. and that's all you've ever said. So I've just tried to uncomplicate it. Well, you said something a moment ago, and I'm going I'm to just pick on it just for a second. You, you said when I came back, you said you were, you were in the wheat. You know, you, was in, you know, got off the path. But I came back. Mm -hmm. You never left. It wasn't like you, you forgot something. Yeah. You chose something. Yeah. It was always there. Choice. You know, you didn't you didn't say, Oh well and I finally got back. Well you you never were gone. Mm -hmm. it, it was always there. And it was only there because you made some sacrifices and some commitments. And when you make sacrifices and commitments, no one else knows them better but you. That's right. And no one else can remind you of them but you. But only you can make the choice. Mm. You know, and I keep wondering sometimes why people always want to find out that um, the word sorry is, a, is an example. You know, you don't have to be sorry. Mm. Make the right choice. Bert and I totally all the time, are, we laugh about it because we're always like, oops, sorry. And we catch ourselves saying that so yeah. much. And it's annoying. Finally, I'm like, quit saying it. Yeah, quit I've stop. had all my sorries used up anyway. But, you know, that's... <laughs> But the, but the point is, is that, you know, it's not okay to find a way to say you're sorry. Mm. Sorry is a cop-out over what you knew already. Mm. And I think that if we spend more time thinking instead of talking or looking for an excuse and looking for a solution, 
that you could be, you could make yourself a lot happier. And, but the thing about it is sometimes a solution is a tough stand to make. And that's where people say, well, you know, it's a little easier just to say, I'm sorry, or I'm going to do this, but hey, you're going to pay for it. It's going to come back. You know, the sad part about it is, is the people that give up, that, you know, that know what's right and, and know what's best. Yeah. Because they, they, they've been taught. And, you know, it's not because you necessarily had a great father and a mother that kept you and taught you a lot of things. Yeah, we, we, we did our job the best we could. And we probably made a lot more mistakes in it. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line to it was is that it's it's something that you learn regardless of what your surroundings are. I know people that were not nearly as fortunate as I was to, to be raised with mom and dad that was founded. Yeah. You know, but there's people out there that are raised in relationships and families that are not founded, but they still can make the right choice. Yeah. You know, so we can't just always, you know, rely on the fact, well, I didn't have a good upbringing. Right. If you didn't know you had a good, if you know you didn't have a good upbringing, then you knew that there's right choices to make. That's good, yeah, yeah, which is the truth. You said something earlier about Dan Crenshaw and his book and and Navy Seals. I did a lot of time over the last year studying Navy Seals. Um, read several different books on it, and because I was in the Word, and over the last three years, I've studied, I've taught on Fear's a Liar. Counted all joy. This year has been no weapon formed against me. You shall prosper in Jesus' name. And I went into this year with the word rest on my on my heart. I actually bought a necklace that said rest last December before the world had to go into rest this year. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I felt like I was a little bit more mentally prepared for everything. It wasn't really a, as big of a shock to me that, and I don't know if I want to say it was just a shock. <clears throat> it was just like I went into m- the mode of we know how to be doers. We just know how to do. And so I went into the mode of doing and um, still doing. We, we, but we're blessed to be on this ranch. We're blessed to be, we still had to feed cattle. We, we still had to do these things, and we'd put nuggets back. Maybe we didn't want the nuggets to be spent on something such as this, but it's brought us closer, and here we are. But one of the things that um, I read that kind of stuck with me in one of those books that I was reading uh, was that a lot of times the Navy SEALs will look at life like yesterday was your toughest day, and you got through it. You know, I, and you talk about the Navy SEALs. I've read a lot on the Navy SEALs. Yeah. And Chris Calls. And what helped mindset. But you know what I always admired about that was the perseverance. Yeah. That those guys and gals can can find in their in their mind hmm. to be able to say, I can do this. But you know, it's not really that they're that tough. It's not really that they're that smart or that strong. Mm. It's that right. they make a plan. Yeah. And they've worked out the details to the nth degree. And life's the same way. Make a plan. You know, and, and think about all the, the things necessary to pursue that goal. And say, that's what I'm going to do. I mean... And, and you don't have to be a you know a, a big bad guy or a big you know big strong guy. Look, let's make a plan. And and I think that sometimes people find it so much easier to quit because you know so many people are quitting around them. Yeah. And and um, you know it's frustrating. I've been in the training world all my life, and a staff that works for me, sometimes I have to remind them of a story. 
and I'm a, you've heard it, maybe other people have heard it, but there's a story <laughs> I'm going to tell real quick. Good. As a little boy walking down the beach one day, there was a man walking down the beach one day, and he walked up on a little boy, and there were starfish all over the bank. They'd come in on the tide, and they were stuck on the sand. And this man walked up, and this little boy was standing there feverishly throwing these starfish as hard as he could back in the water. And the man stopped. He said, son, what are you doing? He says, if these starfish stay out in here on the sand, they're going to die. He said, son, look around these thousands. You can't possibly make a difference. He reached down and picked that starfish up, and he threw it back in the water. He said, but I made a difference with that one. <laughs> That's life. So I tell my staff sometimes when they're a <laughs> little down about, you know, we're struggling with some training and issues, I said, look, you're still making a difference every day because yeah. you're providing an opportunity. And without you, that one starfish, they may not make it. You make a difference with that one. So live that life sometimes around not, not trying to conquer the world, but conquering your own world. Mm. And I, I think that that's a, a pretty important thought because we get caught up in all the things around us and lose sight of what we need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Because we always say, well, why aren't they doing that? There's no limit to our transformation. And they sometimes mm. are not the ones to do it. Right. You have to do it. Yeah. Even from the simplest things. Like I said, when I get up in the morning, if I got first eye opens up, second eye opens up, <laughs> my feet hit the floor, my very first blessing of the day. So look for those blessings first. Mm-hmm. Don't look for the faults. Mm-hmm. And they might not be that big a deal. Of course, getting out of bed in the morning sometimes feels pretty good. <laughs> but, you know, just start planning your blessings that day. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that uh, we lose sight of those little bitty nuggets, as you say. Yeah. Little, little nuggets. Yeah. And they, they make a difference. And it can make a difference in how you end that day. Yeah. You know, I get up every morning. When I go to work, I kiss my wife goodbye. Mm-hmm. And we have a rule. If I hadn't seen her... First thing we do is we give each other a kiss. Little nugget, little blessing. That's right. Dad, I love you. <laughs> and I love you too. I just wanted people to meet my dad. And uh, <laughs> the little things that I remember were important because I want I remembered so many of the things that you just said but hearing it from your perspective strengthens me and I told you before we got on here that the question that I've kind of been been teeter-tottering on all week has been why do we have the perspectives that we have I've been studying covenant and the and the bible and going back and forth from the Abrahamic covenant to there's several covenants, but the initial Abrahamic covenant to the covenant that we cut with uh, Jesus from the old to the new. And one of the things that I've consistently been stuck on is our perspective, why we have the mentality that we have, why we have the perspective that we have. And I have the perspective that I have because I've viewed it from my side of the table. And you have the perspective that you have because you viewed it from your side of the table. We set a blank piece of paper in front of us. We draw a circle. Both of us would more than likely see that circle. Maybe that circle on a piece of paper. If I drew a hook on on one end of it, you might see a 
nine and I, I might see a six. But if I get on your end and I look at your, from your perspective, I'm going to see something different. And that's what covenant is. It's, he's cut that covenant with us and he, God couldn't cut it with anyone other than himself because obviously the creator can't cut creation with anybody lesser than him. And, and there is no one that could have upheld that deal like, like himself. So when he cut covenant with us, um, he clothed himself with him, with, he closed us, clothed us with himself because he would never want us to be clothed in weakness. He would never want us to be clothed in anything less than his best because a good daddy doesn't do that. He clothes us with his, with his best. And so I just wanted you uh, to sit with me because you have clothed me with your best. And every day of my life, I use analogies all the time to talk about you. Not because I saw you at your best every day, but it didn't matter what you were going through. You always gave me your best for me. And so, a few weeks ago, you and I were talking. I told you an analogy of a meme that I saw. It was going around about David and Goliath and Daniel and the lions. And you said, after I told you what that meme was, you, you gave a pretty profound statement. And I've used it a couple of times. But I said to you, I said, we're going to get to heaven and we're going to see David and, Goli- and Goliath, or David and Daniel. We're going to say, what was it like to slay Goliath? And what was it like to... uh be in the den with lions and not have that fear. And uh, they're going to look at us and say, well, what was it like for you to live with the Holy Spirit living inside of you? And I thought that was such a cool thing. And you came back and you said, I think they're going to look at us and they're going to say, what was it like to live with the Holy Spirit living inside of you and walk past Goliath? And I was in a place in that moment where I needed to have a little, I needed to be closed with strength because I was feeling a little weak and uh and and it automatically um gave me a strength and it gave me the duh I'm not alone (laughs) you know and um and I know not everybody got to grow up with a good daddy but I've been reminded by my good daddy just how much better my heavenly father is that We're weak humans, but at the end of the day, we're no longer wearing filthy rags because we've been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And that's what I hope people get from listening to this right now because a lot of people at every year, at this time of the year, we talk about a baby and they see a baby. And God said, I've sent you a Savior. But it was a blessing. Huge so, guys, we're going to jump off here because both of us are about to just bawl our eyes out, guts and livers and all. <laughs> but thanks for listening to us for a minute. We hope that you all receive a blessing and have a very Merry Christmas. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. And if you have any questions about the podcast or questions for Leanne, please check out her website at leannehartministries.com. That's L-E-A-N-N-H-A-R-T ministries.com. If you'd like to book Leanne, you can do that for your services or event. And you can go to bookings on leannehartministries.com.
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with Leanne, you can do that by reaching out on social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, as well as leannehartministries.com.